You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. So last week we started a brand new series. It's called Redefined. And what we are wanting to accomplish in this series is becoming people who live the way of Jesus. And it's very different to become people who live the way of Jesus and people who just talk about the way of Jesus, right? Because you could talk about the way of Jesus, you can know about the way of Jesus, but living the way of Jesus is completely different. So throughout this series, we're gonna take you through the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. And the greatest sermon that's ever been preached is one that was preached by Jesus, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it redefines how followers of Jesus and how followers of God should live their lives. And I think that word redefine is so, so important because I want you to imagine yourself in the shoes of the people who were there. That your whole life you had heard about God from a certain point of view, and suddenly Jesus comes on the scene and gives you a whole brand new point of view that you'd never seen God before. It was revolutionary, it was mind-blowing, and as we started this series last week, we started talking about this sermon, but I want you to put yourself in those shoes, to imagine that, that there was people in that day that if they had phones, this is the emoji that they would be sending each other, okay? Mind blown, right? Jesus just blew my mind with what he just said. I've never thought about God in this way before. They were mind blown. They were talking about this and there was people with different perspectives, people who said this is mind blowing in a good way and people who said, this is mind-blowing in a bad way. What is he thinking? Why would he teach this? This is against Old Testament, right? There's so many murmurings that are happening in this moment as we begin this series, but really what Jesus is doing is he's turning the mindset of the day, he's turning it upside down, and he's blowing people's minds. So you see, before Jesus opened his mouth that day, the thought process of the day when it came to God was this. The thought process was that you follow the law if you ever want to get with God. So what does that look like? It means that you follow the 613 commandments of the Bible if you want to be good with God. And that's the only way. You follow it all to a T, everything. You follow it all if you want to get with God. So as you could imagine, there was a lot of people in that day that felt like outsiders, there was a lot of people in that day that felt that God didn't have a place for them, that God, they could never talk to God, that they could never have a relationship with God. There was a lot of people in that day that felt a great amount of distance between them and God. And then you had the Pharisees who were on the scene who felt no distance between them and God. They thought they were perfect. They thought they had it all together because they had spent their whole lives trying to follow all of these laws. And what God is making known early on in this is that the Pharisees, even though they followed all the laws, that they were still very, very far away from God. That that wasn't what God was looking for. But as people are sitting there and they have been conditioned to believe that this is the only way to follow the law to a T, this is the only way to get with God the people in that day, the Pharisees began to murmur amongst themselves. You ever had that moment where you're standing somewhere and you see some people looking at you and they're murmuring to each other? And they're, I know you're talking about me over there, you know? This is what's happening, right? They're talking to each other and looking at Jesus. And Jesus is the master of knowing when people are talking about him and actually knowing what they're saying, okay? He knows everything. And so he just calls it out. 
And what he's doing in this passage is he's calling out something that's being said in the crowd amongst the Pharisees. And what the Pharisees are saying is they're murmuring to each other, this is bogus. He doesn't believe in the Old Testament. Listen to him. This is brand new stuff. He's getting away from the Old Testament. We cannot let this stand. We cannot listen to this. And they're spreading this around the crowd so that people will stop listening to him. So what does Jesus do? He begins to stand up against them and begins to talk about what he really means. They're saying Jesus is anti-law and Jesus is saying, nope, I'm not anti-law. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. So let's go ahead and read today from Matthew chapter five, verses 17 through 20. As Jesus gives his response back to the Pharisees and teaches us a really important lesson in this. In verse 17, he says this, he says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So right off the bat, he's saying, hey, those of you Pharisees out there who are talking some trash right now, I'm talking to you. Don't think that I'm anti-law. Don't think that I'm against the Old Testament. Don't think that I'm trying to abolish it. I'm actually going to fulfill it, and I'm going to show you how. But he says, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, important verse here, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So this is a passage that I would like to have 30 minutes with. But today we have 10 minutes, okay? And so we're going to get in 10 minutes what I believe God is trying to teach us in this passage. And what he begins to do here as we begin in verse 17, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What does that mean that he's come to fulfill them? Well, let's go through three different things that I think Jesus is saying all in one little sentence here when he says, I've come to fulfill them. Number one, throughout the Old Testament, there's stories about the coming Messiah coming to save us. And there's prophecies that are being spoken about him and some things that he's going to do and how he's going to be born of a virgin and how he's going to die on the cross for our sins. And there's prophecies that have been spoken out. And you know what Jesus does? He fulfills every single one of those Old Testament prophecies. So in a sense, what he's saying is I'm going to come and I'm going to fulfill all of that with everything that I do. All of these prophecies, they are going to be fulfilled. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets, not to abolish it. It's important. Not only that, but Jesus, he follows all of these laws. He has the ability within himself. He's a sinless person to follow it all. So all 613 commands, Jesus has the ability to follow every single one of them every single day of his life. He lives a sinful life. But what about us? Do we have the ability to do that? Well, if we look at our track record throughout history, nope, we don't have the ability to follow all of those laws. We're sinful, you and I. 613 laws that are given to the, uh, to the Israelites, And what do we see happen again and again? The Israelites are given a set of laws. They rebel against the laws. 
right? More laws, they rebel against the laws. They can't follow them. More laws, they rebel against the laws. They can't follow them. And in that time, the prophets began to speak and they began to talk about somebody who was going to come, who was going to take hearts of stone and make them hearts of flesh, that he was gonna take hard hearts who were unable to follow the law. And eventually what was gonna happen is he was gonna turn those hearts into flesh that could follow God's laws. And what Jesus is doing here is he's beginning to explain that just a little bit. But beyond that, what he's saying here is because you can't fulfill all of this and you can't follow all of these things, I'm gonna do it for you. I'm gonna fulfill the law. I'm gonna be perfect and blameless and I'm going to be this righteous person and I'm going to credit my righteousness to you. So what he's saying, you can't be righteous, so I'm gonna be righteous for you. I'm gonna take your place. I'm gonna fulfill the law for you because you can't do it. You don't have the ability. So when we ask Jesus to forgive our sins, to be our Lord and our savior, we are taking his position of righteousness of him fulfilling the law. And it's this beautiful thing that happens in us that we can't be sinless. So Jesus is sinless on our behalf. He fulfills the law on our behalf. But not only that, there's one more thing that I think is important, right? To talk about Jesus fulfilling the law. And it's this, how many of you ever had a text conversation or an email thread with somebody and you instantly read it in a way that maybe wasn't intended for it to be read? You read some tone in there that's not really there. You read some language there that they didn't really mean it that way. And suddenly you're like, mm-mm, Susie's gonna get it when I talk to her next. I'm gonna show Susie what's up because she just, man, sent me that email and boom. She just sent me that text and that was rude. You know, whatever it is, right? Text, email, it's hard for us sometimes to, to, to read language that's written and to intend its true meaning, to understand its true intentions. It's hard, it's difficult. So what's happening here is Jesus is fulfilling the law in this way. He's taking some text that is written long ago by God and the people that God has inspired. And he's saying, listen, this is what God really meant by it. You're reading it with this tone and you're reading it and interpreting it in this way. And it's all wrong. Let me show you what he really meant. Let me show you what I really meant when I wrote this. Let me show you what the heart behind this really, really is. And what he begins to draw out later on in scripture as he talks about this, is he says, hey, how are we gonna fulfill the law? We're gonna fulfill it by focusing on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your mind, all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do these two things, you fulfill all of the commandments. And he tells us and he simplifies it in such a way that says, if you do this, you're following the law. You're following the law. But Jesus begins to explain what he really means in this passage. And it's beautiful because he fulfills the law for us in all of these ways. But as we continue here, the Pharisees, they had the wrong heart and the wrong intent in the way they were teaching things. And Jesus is trying to bring things back into the right heart. So Jesus continues here in verses 18 and 19. And I won't read all that again, but it'll be up on the screens. And what he's saying here is Jesus is elevating God's word. He's just saying, hey, God's word is important. Old Testament or not, 
It all matters. It's all God breathed. It's all important. There's history there and there's lessons and things that you could learn. It's all important. I'm not throwing it out the window. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm saying it is important and that you need to continue to learn from it, continue to live by it. It all matters. It's all inspired. It's not a license to do whatever you want. It's still valid, but I'm going to redefine things in a way and explain some things, and it's going to look very different than you thought about it before. Because the way you thought about it before was you follow all this if you want a relationship with God, and I'm gonna turn that on its head here in a little bit. And we see this come out in verse 20. Because in verse 20, this is a mic drop moment, okay? If there's a mic drop moment in a sermon where the pastor just says, boom, I'm done, you know, this could have been it in this sermon. But he says this, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And once again, mind blown emoji. Once again, people saying, oh, can you believe he just said that? The Pharisees are sitting right there. They're listening to him and he just said this. And what he's saying is, hey, Pharisees over there, you're trying to get to God by following the law, and I'm telling you, you're doing it the wrong way. You're failing at it. Yeah, you might have all the commandments down. You might be following them to a T, but your heart is disgusting. And it's a mic drop moment here that Jesus is talking about. Not only is he talking to the Pharisees like this, he's talking to the people in the crowd who want to be like the Pharisees. And he's telling them, hey, if you want to get into the kingdom of God, it's not going to be by following in their footsteps. It's not going to be by following the law to a T like they are trying to get you to do. And they're saying, if you want to get to heaven that way, then you better be more perfect than them. And they're in that moment thinking, there's no way I could ever be more perfect than them. And it's important to realize that Jesus is never asking for perfection from us. Isn't that good? But he's not asking you and I to be like the Pharisees and to be perfect and to follow every single law perfectly. What he's asking us, as we talked about last week, is to come to him broken in spirit and to say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my life and come into my heart and change me from the inside out because I can't follow these laws. I can't do it on my own. I need a savior. And what it ultimately points to is the Old Testament law it points to our need for a savior. It points to our need to say, Lord, none of this stuff I can do on my own. You never meant for me to do it on my own. And Lord, I need a savior to forgive me of my sins. I need a savior to come and to fix things in me. I need a savior. So what he's telling them here is he's saying, in a sense, if you want to go to heaven by following the law to a T, Good luck with that. Good luck. Not going to happen. Good luck. But I want to give you a better way. And do you remember the mindset that we talked about that the Pharisees had? The mindset was this. Follow the law and get with God. Follow the law and that's how you get with God. And Jesus here is turning this on its head and he's saying, get with me and I'm going to help you to follow the law. Get with me, spend time with me, get to know me, love me, have a relationship with me. And over time, I'm going to transform your heart 
and make it like a heart that can follow the law, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not gonna happen by you trying hard. It's not gonna happen by you mustering up the strength to do it. It's gonna happen by you investing in your relationship with God over time. And it's going to take time. You're not going to be perfect overnight. You're not going to get it all right. It's this process called sanctification where over time he transforms your heart and mind. And he helps you to be more like Jesus a little bit each day. And eventually down the road, you look like him, you act like him, you talk like him because he's transformed your heart. So Jesus here is pointing to that new mindset. Get with me and I'll help you with the rest of it. Get with me first. Don't follow the law first and then get with me. No, get with me first and then I'll do the rest. Last week, I gave you a interesting illustration, okay? And it's interesting because there's no lemon trees in Illinois, okay? But I talked about a lemon tree last week. And I talked about imagining that you had a lemon tree in your backyard. And I think that illustration, it plays into this very, very well. Because what the Pharisees are doing is they're following the law And what that looks like is them going out to their lemon tree in the backyard that is unable to bear any kind of good fruit. And like I said last week, they are tying lemons to that tree to try to make it look fruitful, to try to make it look good. And it'd be like getting string and tying a bunch of lemons to that tree and passing it off as that being a good standing lemon tree. But what Jesus wants to do is Jesus wants to go to the root of that tree And rather than hanging lemons on it, he wants to begin to fertilize and begin to water and to begin to give it the nutrients that it needs and to begin to heal it and to begin to give it the medicine that it needs so that it can begin to flourish again, so that it could begin to function properly and that it could begin to bear the kind of fruit that it should bear on its own without ever having to hang lemons on that tree again. And by you trying to follow the law first, all you're doing is hanging lemons on a tree that should be bearing fruit on its own. But when you get with Jesus, he bears fruit out of you naturally. And he begins to transform you and work in you. And that's what we want. And that's the direction that God is calling us to go. So as we begin to go in this direction, as we begin to say, Lord, I can't follow the law on my own. I need your help. Will you come in and transform me? Well, what begins to happen as you do that is you begin to bear fruit. We talked about last week, being salt and light, being Jesus' hands and feet in our community. And when your tree begins to bear fruit, you know what happens? Other people get to benefit from it. Other people benefit from your love and your kindness. Other people benefit from your generosity. Other people benefit from your attributes that look like Jesus. And that's what we want. You know what happened with the Pharisees when they were just hanging lemons on their tree? Nobody benefited from that. Everybody was just angry at them all the time. All they did was judge everybody. They didn't help anybody. That's not the kind of thing that we want. That's the kind of thing we see in Christianity sometimes that we don't want. We wanna see positives. We wanna see giving life to people and helping people, not hurting them. And so Jesus begins to infiltrate our hearts with this message that says, hey, it's not about the law and following it. It's about getting with me and following after me. So let's do that. Let's be people who follow after Jesus. And it's gonna take time for us to get our hearts right. It's gonna take time for us, for him to truly uh, penetrate every area of our lives. But let's allow him to do it. 
Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.